Well, it's Peace Making Sunday. And across the way, not a hundred yards away from this building, it's the Battle of Britain celebrations. And we've just read the Beatitudes, which some people believe, and I think with good reason, to be the quintessential teaching of Jesus. Or if you want it in plainer language, if I misunderstand the Beatitudes, I misunderstand Jesus. So two quick things about Beatitudes uh, that we will explore, no doubt, much more fully another time. We might run through them in a series or something. First of all, I want you to notice that the Beatitudes don't deal so much with what people believe. There's no hint of doctrine in any of those 11 or 13 verses. They're far more concerned with a person's character with their virtues, with their actions, with their life. It's not that belief is unimportant. The rest of Jesus' teaching in the New Testament is going to make that quite clear. But here we read what beatitude people are like. Which is why the beatitudes are sometimes known as beautiful attitudes. So effectively, what Jesus is doing here, as he teaches his his disciples on what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, is he's giving us a list of characteristics and behaviours and actions that he says please God, and by implication, please Jesus himself. If you want to know what kind of life, what kind of behaviour pleases Jesus Christ and if we're disciples of Jesus that's incredibly important because you want to please the one you love then read and live out the Beatitudes if you were to visit our house you would find pictures of our family on the wall I won't tell you what our three boys refer to those pictures as but some of them are quite nice If God had pictures on God's wall in the buildings of heaven, they'd be pictures of beatitude people. Because they're the people, says Jesus, who thrill God's heart the most. And a key part of being a beatitude person, a person who heeds Jesus' teaching and thrills God's heart and lives in a way that pleases God, is, we read, to be a peacemaker. They, said Jesus, will be called the children of God. Now, one of the problems that we have today is that peace is often seen as a soft, sort of fluffy thing. It's a cup of cocoa and a comfy chair at the end of a day. It's a long, hot bath to just... Relax. It's the silence at the end of a lot of talking. How often do we hear ourselves say, Oh, I just need a bit of peace and quiet? Or it's seen as an easy thing. In a few minutes' time, we will do what Christians have done from the middle of the first century. We will express and exchange the peace. 
We'll go to people that we know and we don't know and we'll hold out our hand or our hands and we'll say, the peace of the Lord be with you. And they will say back if they're following the routine and also with you. Or something to that effect. Some of us don't like the peace. It happens in every church. One vicar received a deputation from the local women's institute in his church. Vicar, they said, if you insist on us sharing the peace every week, there'll be war. (laughs) But even so, whether you like the exchange of the peace or you don't, it's not exactly hard. So peacemaking is often seen as a kind of soft, fluffy or easy thing. But it isn't, is it? I heard a story the other day, just this week, of two brothers who fell out at a family do and now haven't spoken to one another as brothers for several years. I don't know the reasons, but I do know that it's a tragedy within that family. They, no doubt, each of them, feel aggrieved that it's the other one that behaved poorly or despicably. It's the other one that started it. And if there is to be any reconciliation, if there's to be any apology, if there's to be any peacemaking, any way back into that relationship, then I guess that each one of them would say, well, it's up to the other one. It's up to the other one to start. And in the meantime, there's a saddened mother, because they're both her boys. And there's bewildered relatives walking on eggshells, knowing whether it's all right to talk to one or the other or both of them. Peacemaking involves forgiving. Whether... That's easy, rarely is. Most of the time it's incredibly hard. But especially it's hard when you're certain, or at least you believe that you're certain, that you are the one that's offended against rather than the offender. And like the two lads, yes, we'll have peace when that other person comes round to it. And yet every time we say the Lord's Prayer another of the gifts of Jesus to his disciples, we say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And even on the cross, after being wrongly arrested and beaten up and abused and nailed to a cross and regaled for all to see, at the very time you'd expect somebody to be full of anger and righteousness and vitriol, What comes from the lips of Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So here as elsewhere, you see, Jesus does not say to those who would seek to follow him, look, just follow my teachings, don't bother doing what I do. Jesus is the perfect example of the forgiver of those who have no right to be forgiven. Because Jesus, wonderfully, is like that. 
So there's nothing soft or fluffy or easy about forgiveness, about making peace. It's the gritty, strong stuff of real life. Many years ago, I was invited to be part of a group of the Methodist Church of Great Britain to visit the Methodist Church in Sierra Leone. And I know we have members who uh, are from Sierra Leone or their parents were in our, the fellowship of our membership and congregation. I was invited there by the then president of the conference to help train and retrain those ministering in Sierra Leone because even during the troubles with all its atrocities and violence, in villages and towns throughout Sierra Leone, God raised up local leaders and local ministers. And now, after those several years of those horrendous troubles, the president gathered all the leaders together, including the new leaders that he was only just beginning to know about. And there we were in Freetown to train in a new era. Early 2001, six or seven hours of lectures a day for three weeks. My, they did suffer. And on the Sundays, we were invited to preach in congregations throughout Sierra Leone. And I and three or four of my colleagues set off in a, a kind of white Toyota van, which is par for the course, and we go along the red laterite roads. It was a bit like being at theological college when you all went off in four, four of you in a car and you dropped people off and the car driver was always the furthest away and then at night they came back and picked everybody up again. That's what we were trying to do. And I was dropped off along the road to be picked up that evening. I got out of the van somewhere at the side of the road between Bo and Shugema. And a man met me and I noticed straight away that he had lost a hand because his long sleeve shirt was just dangling down at the edge. And as we walked up the hill to the village where the service was going to take place, we were talking and after a while I summoned up courage and I said to him, I noticed that you have lost a hand. What happened? But fearing that I might know. I lost it in the troubles, he said. Rebels came to our village. And then he said this, and I'm almost word perfect because these words are scorched in my soul. Dr. Atkins, thank you for bringing the gospel of Jesus to us. And I must confess to you, brothers and sisters, immediately in my head I said, it's got nothing to do with me. 200 years ago. But I suddenly realised I was the representative of the Methodist Church and of the arrival of Christianity in about 1808. He said, this gospel of Jesus is the most precious gift in the world. I became a Christian six years ago and before that I had no words or understanding of forgiveness. But Jesus is teaching me how to forgive. So every day, he said, I pray for the people who did this to me. And he flapped his arm. And then he said quietly, almost underneath his breath, and killed my wife and daughter. And with such faith, with all its bitterness and brokenness, he is the hope of the world. Peacemaking 
is not soft, it is not fluffy, it isn't easy, it's the very opposite. I mentioned formal peacekeepers earlier because at that time when we went to Sierra Leone, there were UN peacekeepers keeping peace. It's a hard job, often standing between communities that can't yet make peace themselves while people work very hard to ensure that or try and promise that that might happen in the future. But until that time comes, they stand between them. So today, if you went to Hebron, right on the flashpoints very often between Israelis and Palestinians, you'll find members of the Christian Peacemaker team. Go on their website. This group, made up mainly but not exclusively of US and Canadian Mennonites and Quakers, are committed to prayer and action for peace. And each day they introduce themselves to whoever is in charge of the soldiers and urge that there be no trouble that day. And then they go into Arab communities where they're known and they counsel peace. One special job that they took on many years ago is taking Arab children to a local primary school. The children's mothers used to do it, but it was next to a wire fence and other women used to stand in wait and throw stones and spit at them as they walked past with their children. So now the members of the Christian peacekeeping team act as a human barrier and they take the spit and the stones and the words and they take the children to the school entrance. Or or if a house is bulldozed, They go and sit in it, or if trouble breaks out, they run into the middle of it as it begins to erupt in pairs, one going to Israeli soldiers, urging them to put down their guns, others perhaps to Palestinian youths, put down your stones. And if the roles were reversed, they'd do it just the same. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, they are children of God. Because there's a price to be paid to be a peacemaker. There's a price to be paid for all beatitude activities. People will insult you, they will persecute you, they will swear falsely against you. And Jesus says, and even in the midst of all that, strive to find the ability which I long for you to have and say rejoice and be glad. Why are peacemakers described as children of God? Because they're doing what God does. Make peace. Doing what God did supremely in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who leaves the beauty and the majesty of heaven and takes on human form and comes and lives among us and pours himself out and is finally put to death, even death on a cross. And within just a handful of years, the earliest Christian communities are beginning to write books like Colossians where they say he makes peace 
through his blood on the cross. Because whatever is demanded by the God of the Old Testament and now the God and Father of Jesus Christ, and whatever is needed to reconcile sinful, alien humanity is brought together in the supreme peacemaker. And he calls us to be peacemakers too. There's two challenges today. As we approach Holy Communion, where again food for the journey is offered and peace is exchanged, who comes knowing that they need to forgive someone about something? And without that, actually it's not just the lack of reconciliation, it's the fact that not doing that is tearing you apart. And peace will only come when you step over that Rubicon and put that right. And it's incredibly hard. But in it is peace and life and future. And the second challenge, which is much more rarefied, Will we be open to the possibility that in all the ministries of the church and all the services that Christ has, some of us are called to act in very particular ways as peacemaking people in certain circumstances, in certain people groups, in certain organisations, in certain jobs, in certain contexts. We have a position that few other people have where we can furnish peace, whereas many others could not. And are we going to accept that responsibility, even though it might make us unpopular? Peacemaking is not easy. But God calls that those who will be followers of Christ and beloved children are peacemakers. Pray today that we'll be strong enough to be God's forgiving peacemakers in our homes, among our families and friends, in the most broken places of the world, a world for which Christ died, making peace through his blood on the cross. Amen.